Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/achieve today. How's it going, friends? Welcome to Someone Who Isn't Me, episode number 22. My guest on Swim this time is Marilyn Manson. This has been one of the episodes that I've been most looking forward to doing when I put the list together. I think he was actually probably the first person I put down on the list. I'm a huge fan of his work, but I'd also I also consider us to be friends. I view him to be one of the few people that's still part of a long and incredible lineage of rock star artists, people like Bowie, obviously spring to mind, and he was a huge influence and friend of Manson's, but those people are few and far between, whether it's because they don't want to take risks quite that way anymore, or whether those artists don't get the chance to express themselves in that way anymore. Who knows? I'm not actually sure. It's not that it's not that there isn't great art being made. That's clearly not the case but it's a rare thing when an artist arrives in the way that Manson did you know you could obviously look at a time and place and and the impact that he made culturally and say well that was that was of an of that was because of a time and since then you know he built his legacy and therefore he will continue along that path because of the work he made at that time I guess that is the case to a certain degree but this is somebody that I think has continued to make fantastic music that is so layered and nuanced and esoteric that it never fails to impress me. And I think that's a wonderful thing. Anyway, that was the reason why he was the first person on my list when I put together the list of guests that I would like to have on the podcast when I first decided I was going to do this over a year ago. So there have been other interviews that we've done that I was considering putting out for a podcast and I still have those interviews but I don't know it just didn't feel right but with the release of Heaven Upside Down which is an incredible album which I'm still finding more and more amongst it both sonically and thematically which is the reason why I hold them in such high regard but um, this was the first proper conversation we'd had about that like where we'd actually sat down and, and kind of picked through things a little bit it was Recently after he'd broken his leg, so he'd had to move a bed downstairs into his lounge area and um, he was resting on the bed when we conducted the interview and uh, it was awesome. He told me the things he'd been up to recently. He played me some music and some videos, which some of which have seen the light of day at this point. We spoke about the album, the prospect of touring with his leg in the way it was at the time 
since that point, he's obviously played the UK and European shows where he actually integrated it into the show where there was moments where he was in like a in a kind of motorized wheelchair type device. There was like moments where he was sat on a hospital gurney flanked by doctors. There was weird kind of pirate-esque peg leg thing which he had going on as well, which he'd just shown me before we started the interview, which which had made me laugh. Anyway, so suffice to say those shows were a triumph I thought he was sounding better than I'd heard him in a long time the show was great it felt like a, a reinvigorated live show and this was all with a broken leg which is crazy back to the interview we we conducted it back in October in Los Angeles so if the timeline of things seem a little out then pff, get over it um, one of the things that's held this one up is the cover image the portrait just because I like to use reference photos that I take myself and that took a minute to get together to make that happen, weirdly enough, because I actually forgot to do it at the uh, at the house when, when I was there doing the interview. But anyway, thank you to Manson for taking some time to do this. Thank you to Judd as well and also to Tony, of course, for helping to facilitate the whole thing. This is Someone Who Isn't Me, episode 22, Marilyn Manson. Where do you want to start? Your choice. We should start talking about this first and foremost. Okay. Or the album. Uh, I don't know. I always feel... Or the album. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, we might as well address Because I've the, not spoken uh, to you since it came out. Yeah. Yeah, let's talk about the album first, and we can, we can talk about the tour and then this, I guess. Yeah. So, well, f firstly, I remember when... When did I see you... When you were telling me about it, it was in Japan at Not Fest, and you, yeah, you were telling me about titles so. and stuff. And I, I'm not sure if if the album title had come out as as Satan at that point. I think it. I think it had. And um, at that point, we were in the midst of a few uh, festival shows, and Tyler had some obligations with his scoring projects, and I was not aware of how ill my father was. So a few of those things got in the way of the flow that we had. And I think it was for the best. I think it was definitely uh, a faded thing that that happened in life. And, it, and it's, it occurred greatly with the whole Saturn orbiting the Earth for the first time in 36 or so years. Hmm. Um, I think the last time, I might be wrong, was when Dali died. And strangely, when the, the week the record came out, um, was, you know, predicted by Christians to be the end of the world by some in Revelations 12, which is the first song on the record, yeah. which uh, had not been written. So there was a lot of different circumstances. Tyler and I got back together, and this album was written, and I can show you the notebooks, quite differently than the others. My, my thoughts were often scattered through several notebooks or sometimes channeled or yeah this one was more prose and very specific and the lyrics to three particular songs were in my notebooks but they had not found their way onto the record heaven upside down being the most uh integral one in telling the story of the record for me and also revelation number 12 and Saturnalia. Saturnalia was a bit of a love letter. Actually, I think 
a, a portion of it about the, the lyric, when all your demons die, even if just one survives, I'll still be here to hold you no matter how cold you are. That was actually written in a letter, a physical letter, not even an email. Hmm. I wrote to someone who I care about who was uh, in a in a dark in time of need. I, I can't remember the last time I've written a letter. Yeah. But those three songs, which, you know, for me, it starts it's the middle and it's the end of the record even though threats of romance finishes the album it's almost uh, if it were a film which tyler and i often referred to it accidentally as a film but we wanted each song to be a scene of sorts and realizing that satan the song it looks a certain way uh, when you read it you know and you get the play on words and numbers yeah but it sounds it does not translate the same across the board uh, through other languages. It wouldn't have the same impact. And plus, when you just say it in English, it still sounds like Satan. Yeah. And I didn't think that that would define the record in any way, it would be half of one part. And having Upside Down was what I described the album being to my longtime manager, Tony, because I was asking him, I said, I'm not really sure if I, and we had the same conversation with Pale Emperor, almost in a way, because originally that was going to be called Mephistopheles of Los Angeles, yeah. which I soon found out was another word that people had a hard time pronouncing, yeah. <laughs> unfortunately. But I, I, when I was describing that record, I told him, well, this record's mostly about inspired by this uh you know d very, several different things but this early roman leader that they referred to as the pale emperor hmm. and he said that's the perfect title for it and i thought about it. that was one situation but this one when i said i said this record is not about heaven or hell it's about heaven upside down and he the first question was well what's heaven upside down and I said well that's what the record is for you to listen to and decide because it's it, it takes you on a a bit of a I guess on the edge of your seat and the last song that we finished was Saturnalia I remember very specifically because it was we had we had finished the other two songs and I said to Tyler there's this one piece missing because we had nine songs and I said not just for the sake of having ten because people expect that but for the sake of the story, for the sake of the record, there's one thing that I feel is missing. And we both looked at each other and I, and I said, what song did you ever play to girls when you were in high school that, when you wanted to get laid? And we both said at the same time, the cure, kiss me, kiss me, kiss me. And it was almost like stepbrothers yeah. in a way. <laughs> <laughs> and so, it started with the concept that I told Tyler. I said, I want the guitar to tell the story as much as I do. Hmm. And the most unusual and difficult part of that was having all the lyrics, knowing which order to put them in. So in the whole album, I was very specific in how I used pronouns, I and we and they. And it's sometimes uh, looking at the the lyrics maybe being too overcritical or maybe just being uh it's very specific about 
the whole hieroglyphic, the whole painting, the every little brushstroke of everything that I was trying to say with words. Hmm. I wanted to make sure that I was saying it in a way that would have the proper impact. And that song, this, the order of the story, I waited to tell the, the verses, so to speak, at the end of the song. Yeah. And that it took me a series of events. I went to Tyler's, I said we had to write the song, we had this conversation, I just spoke up. And I said, can I just take home? So we sat and we made a, uh, a beat in this hypnotic loop. I brought home and I put it on my stereo here that you just listened to, and it made me have a panic attack because the frequencies of it, because we use a lot of binaural frequencies in an alchemical sense, yeah, and, and in a scientific sense, but I called him right afterwards. I said, this makes me really nervous, and he goes, huh? He just laughed at me. And I said, can we just make it a little bit more tense? I don't want to. I don't want it to be something where you feel nauseated. I want it to be where you are anticipating something, and it, where it leaves you scared, but not sick. Hmm. And we have a, a a communication when we write songs together the way that we do, where I don't have to specify things. I can just tell him an emotion, or most often on this record, he would read my lyrics, whether I was letting him or not. They were on a music stand when we're coming up with something. So we'd sit this far away, you know, he'd have his guitar and his amps pointed slightly away from the mic, but no yeah. vocal booth, just us. And then we would later bring in Gil Sharon to play drums on things. So he was reacting to lyrics. Yeah, so um, I went in the next day yeah. and I sang it and uh, I was looking up uh, things about Saturnalia, you know, the versus Saturnus and people can you know dig as deep as they want about that but you know just the concept of it not not realizing that Saturn had started this this rare you know once in our lifetime sort of orbit around the earth okay. and they were exhuming Salvador Dali from his grave to try and prove some girl's yeah. claim of paternity yeah so you've got birth and life and resurrection and all these things happening and I'm getting this tattoo on my hand of uh, a slightly modified sigil of Lucifer, which has a great deal to do with Saturn and, and all of my astrological details. And I get a call from my cousin in Ohio saying that my dad is far, far more sick than, <clears throat> than I'd been told because my father was probably protecting me. But again, then you have Saturnus, which is father eating his own child in the circle of life or yeah. Boris and <clears throat> I can only say this looking back I wasn't at the time putting these pieces together now when I look back I see how important this record was not for me or as a record to make a hit record or to make something simply as music but just how important it was to put into the whole universe the psychosphere of everything and so I went to Ohio, and I was there. Um, I spent about an hour, because I'd forgotten that uh, the city, Canton, Ohio, where I was born and grew up, which is the hospital my father was in. He was born there, and he died there. I was born there. I don't intend to die there. 
but uh, I had forgotten that that it was a dry county. Now, for people that aren't from America, it meant that in that particular county, they only sold beer, wine, and what they called was uh, diluted vodka. So I drank it. I went, this tastes like water. Because I was trying to prepare myself. Because my cousin said, you got to prepare yourself. And this yeah. is around noon. So, so we had to take a little 20-minute trip down the street to uh, to get some vodka, and I put it in a water bottle. It's my my car booze, I guess you would call it. But you know, I was preparing for something, just seeing him in a way that I wasn't expecting. And I can't. I went there and and I saw him, and I got to say, "Dad, I love you," and I, I'm here, and, and I hugged him, and uh, they took him downstairs to do an MRI, and it was only 30 minutes. During that 30 minutes, and I, whenever I say anything, uh, if it seems humorous about it, it's one, it's the only way I can sort of deal with the sadness of it. But yeah. also, my dad would have liked it. And I don't remember if you met my dad, but yeah. he was, he would have liked everything uh, that I would be saying right now. They had a crucifix, uh, unlike that one I have up there, which is a proper one, I guess, with the nails through the hands. They had a sort of what I would call more of a, a sissy Jesus. He just had his arms spread like wings. So I, I, I could not resist turning it upside down, of course. <laughs> While I'm waiting for my dad to come back up. And my father came back up from this test. And, um, you know, I was seeing if he was okay. He went into the bathroom. And then he went into a seizure and he died on the toilet. And all these people rushed in and I went outside and of the room and I was you know, crying and uh, dealing with it, seeing your father die, like yeah. seeing it like that was really, and you couldn't do anything about it, it was very shocking and upsetting. And uh, then I hear some sort of code purple or something come over the loudspeakers in the hospital and they brought him back to life. So he was in the hospital bed and he's surrounded by a bunch of nurses and people and they're putting a tube in his mouth and I wanted to get in there and I also wanted to get the vodka that I left in there because I needed it. at that point I'm like okay now he's alive and I just wanted to talk to him because I didn't get a chance to ask him what he wanted yeah you know ask him if he wanted to be on life support and but I held his hand and he knew I was there because he squeezed my hand the other hand, I had my vodka, vodka in the water bottle. I didn't even drink it because I couldn't face it. But there's all these nurses around, and you know, my dad's. It's it's really painful, I guess, to put this tube down your throat. I'm, I can only imagine. And uh, his uh, hospital gown had flipped up a bit, and said, "Dad, you, your dick looks amazing." And he squeezed my hand, so I knew that he. I knew that he was still there with me. And he would have wanted me to tell that story. <laughs> that's my dad but uh, the next morning I had to um, he, he passed away the next morning mm. and then an hour later Saturn finished its orbit around the earth wow. so that seems really strange looking back at it and after that I don't know I don't want to tell you what to ask I, I just thought about things that I'm may have been related to my father that were on the record that I didn't necessarily intend maybe they were just in the unconscious yeah Mind, I mean. But then that's that's the thing, isn't it? About 
Well, making art is is obviously about letting things move through you. Mm -hmm. But then that would also imply that there's there's a predestined story to unfold. If things are synchronicity and fate and things yeah, of that of nature. Course. Yeah, I mean, it is it really is one of the great questions that always has always gone through my head. You know, after you know Christian school and seeing through that and not really buying into that, but um, during the the months that preceded this, I would even say the year that preceded it, I had an increasing number of deja vu's, yeah. which have not happened as much as since uh, the making of Antichrist Superstar, and I've always really debated over what that could be if it's messages from the future if it's a synapse a scientific you know mishap in your brain mm. you know seeing things or you think you saw it or if it's an alternate reality or if it's some part of your unconscious that you haven't unlocked but i think there's definitely the conscious mind that has to deal with doing something like this talking about something now there's a subconscious part of me that would write something without thinking about the process of writing it. Then there's the unconscious mind that I think really travels through you and brings in things that are either there or maybe it's a portal. It's that. a portal to yeah. open things up. And that's, that's why I call it Heaven Upside Down because it's sort of that portal of the unknown uh, and there's a lot of I, I guess references to not really knowing left right up down you know compass time you know I think that yeah but they're constructs aren't they they are calendars but, you know I, I when people think of a calendar they think of looking at us looking at something straight ahead and it's got a bunch of boxes on it yeah and when I see time I see it in a three-dimensional sense and it really I think either annoys or confuses people that I know or that work for me because I can't, un like when someone says, uh, you're supposed to do this at this time, I can tell what time it is, you know, and on a clock, which I think a lot of people that are younger now don't even know what hands on a clock mean, which is yeah. strange. Just like, I don't know how to write cursive anymore. I'm not even sure if they teach it. Yeah. but. I see things in a weird, uh, like spatial, three-dimensional sense where but it's almost like looking at it visually, like if it was Mondays right in front of you, then Tuesdays behind it, and yeah, so, so almost like a rolodex. Yeah, like a rolodex. That's a good description. Yeah. yeah. Has that ever happened to you in the way you look at time? Yeah, I, I find it changes. Yeah. Yeah, it's I not think, always like that. I think the way that time passes changes depending on what you're doing. I think those moments when when you are very much in uh in the flow of things is mm -hmm. is is a is a, mm -hmm. a way of trying to rationalize it say okay so when you're in the flow of creativity i feel that time totally totally changes it becomes so elastic it disappears you, almost yeah i mean yeah nice. of course and and the the whole thing of like oh you were lost in a moment it sounds like a you know it's it's a, such a flippant comment that people make but it's it sounds it's, it's to an outsider true. as a, pre a like pretentious or it sounds esoteric or it sounds like you're batshit crazy but yeah. maybe it's all those things yeah but 
I haven't got a problem with that though. I don't either. You know, I, I think that is. Those are all my most charming qualities. I think. <laughs> but you, you know, when you paint uh, your paintings, you really capture someone's soul in, a, in the most unusual way. That's why I've always loved the, the detail in yours. And when I got to see the one you gave me, in the, the detail, you, I can tell you get lost in it. Yeah. Mine, I get lost in a really different way because I tend to see. And there's a name for it. They put a name for anything. Where if you look at a, a wall, I've been staring at this wall because I've been in this bed for three weeks. Yeah. And I've been staring at this these dents in the wall, and I just see this face in the wall, and it changes every day into something different. Yeah. And pareidolia. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Yeah. Seeing. Yeah. Seeing, uh, in, in, seeing things and having significance and, yeah. of things. But then that's see that's an interesting thing because when you're on hallucinogenics. Yeah, and that's this was about hallucinogenics. No, no, right. I, I get, yeah, I get that. But I, I find that that is, you know, when you're coming up on, on something and, and things before you're actually, if, if you're hallucinating, the visualization of things where the geometry and things and the patterning in right. things becomes so overly exaggerated. Spatial. Yeah, where yeah. you start to see those things in it. Yeah. It's, you know, it gets in like the power of 10. And that was one of the reasons why that was behind Satan also, mm. if you've well, ever read that book. But it's, uh, I also, I don't ever think that I hallucinated when I was on hallucinogens. You know, when I, the only time I've ever hallucinated, I think, well, besides, you know, sometimes I'll see, like, lights on the, on the sides of my eyes. And, you know, some people believe those are different, you know, alien beings, or, or maybe it's just hallucinating but and you know smears and things that people try to replicate on film and they're, they're yeah. rarely ever accomplish that um i think that lack of sleep sleep deprivation probably would give you the most hallucinations than anything yeah thus you know the new testament the visions of john the baptist's revelations yeah if you go in the woods for 40 days and don't eat and don't sleep, you're going to see shit. Yeah. Now, does that make it real or not? I don't know. But uh, it's an interesting thought. Because yeah. it's not always about... I, I read a, a thing. Um, there's a book by Rick Strassman who, who did... Um, I don't know if you've read that book, The Spirit Molecule, about DMT. No, but it, it's something that interests me. So he, he wrote a book about that one and it was about all the clinical trials that he, they started conducting. Mm. Um, but he's, he wrote a book after that and it's, um, uh, I can't remember the title pro mm. properly, but it's something along the lines of DMT and the soul of prophecy. And, and he's basically gone through different parts of the Bible going, so the visions of, of each person was due to different things like psychoactive substances and and uh, yeah yeah I mean it's, it's you could imagine what they were eating they're eating was acacia and and that has like a really high is that is that the uh, what is that exactly is well, that acacia the, is that the memory berries no acacia is a plant which has a really high DMT content in it. I didn't know how to pronounce the word, except it always reminds me of uh, 22 Acacia Street by Iron Maiden. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But then it's funny because in Masonic lore as well, like when, um, without going into it too much, uh -huh. like the, the, the 
um, the main story is like somebody is buried in a shallow grave with a sprig of acacia by his head to mark the grave and it just seems like it's a plant which keeps appearing in different stories yeah that's anyway, uh, totally taken off no no it's okay the tangents are good and it's it's everyone else's fault for listening to this mm. it's like a pod a podcast can be more like uh, invasion of the body snatchers it's one of those pod people so we're infecting we're infecting everyone. Yeah, it's going viral, but in a different way. <laughs> so tell me what you thought about the record. I'm really interested to hear about because we haven't talked about it. What you want me to break it down and what? No, like I, I, th I, mean, I think it's fantastic. Thanks. I think it I it makes. I hear the details that you think. What things that jumped out at me? No, just you as a musical person that. Well, I'm sure we've discussed this before, but when I listen to things, I, I, I can't. I enjoy them on first listen, but at the same time, I'm overanalyzing everything, mm -hmm. and I start picking everything apart, and I'm trying to find lyrical references and what this might be about. But also, in the same sense, with with the actual music as well, like things like like in Kill for Me, the lead guitar line has such a like a Joey Santiago from early Pixies record mm -hmm. feel to oh, it right, right, right. and I start and and I I can't help but do that it's like I'm I'm kind of picking through things and I think that all the points that whether they were chosen points to to reference with within a musical history like it ticked all those boxes for me it, it like ah, that's 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 really interesting that you said that because when Tyler Bates and I sat down uh, before we wrote anything, hmm. we sat down. Cause we, you have to remember, we had a little bit of a tift yeah. before we got back together, and then we got over that because I probably spent more time with him than anybody else in my life, which is sounds, you know, very specific, and you know, I'm sure that it affects his both of our lives. But um, we sat down and. I said, well, let's, let's, are we going to do something? And he said, let me ask you a question. Do you, you like Killing Joke, right? Yeah. And that's what he said to me. Yeah. I said, of course I do. I go, that's, I think that's where I broke my foot the first time when some skinhead stomped on it when I saw them play with Ministry in Miami Beach. And then he just put up a simple just kick drum and he started playing a riff. And I just, I said, turn the mic. I put on my headphones. And I pulled out my notebook because I already had the words written. Yeah. Just what became We Know Where You Fucking Live. It just came out of, right out of the brain. He's just like playing, and then I'm singing along with him, and it just erupted. And then we built on it. But yeah. it built on. Well, that's we, we just said we wanted to make music that was like the music that we listened to, that brought us to where we were. We didn't want to be trying to redo something. Hmm. But the fact that it has those little tinges, I think that appeals to, you know, us making it. Yeah. And if it hits you, someone who's heard that music, and then if it hits someone who has never heard that music, because you know there was a sense of being afraid to. I, I we we were not in any way trying to sound like my earlier records, but that I realized, and I had to go back and listen to my There's earlier records. There's real moments on there that really... And, and, I, and, I, and I thought, you know what, this doesn't sound like I remember it sounding, because maybe in my head I painted it different, you know, because when 
you want to get to that point in your career. Sometimes people get to that point where they make that fucking record that really changes things. Like Scary Monsters for Bowie, that was like a big game changer. But that was so long ago down the road in his career. Hmm. And sometimes you make that terrible record that does a bad thing. And, you know, I think that I made some records that were still in the vein of what I wanted to be, but they just did not have the one missing ingredient. I think I owe that to Tyler Bates. He's got that missing ingredient that we had this chemistry yeah. where he could read me like a character because I am like I I I live life like it's a movie you know and you know I'm sitting here now but you know we're being real it's not like yeah. we're I'm putting on a pretense for you or something this is the what it is but with 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 us we we don't want anything less than perfect and perfect in our way not perfect in the conventional sense that other people might think it's perfect mm. I was amazed that the record label wanted to I thought they were joking when they said yeah we want to give you money to make a video for we know where you fucking live and there's nuns with a mortar launcher and I just thought what world have I just said <laughs> yeah. it, but it's important and it's not just shocking it's I mean how it's not even a point it's it goes back to the beginning with the name Marilyn Manson. It's, it couldn't be shocking then. It never was meant to be. Hmm. But now, I mean, in one way, it makes me the ambassador of intelligence for America with, with the government and everything yeah. that's going on on a daily basis. But it always has, you know. I always thought art thrived under, you know, like Bush, Bush and things like that. But... You know, it it seems like these are dangerous times, but they've always seemed like they're dangerous times. Yeah. Maybe more so than now, but maybe it's just more televised or just more talked about because of the internet. I think it makes it a more important time for art. And not, it's not, I, I thought a lot about things like vinyl and how younger kids are really into vinyl. Hmm. And I still have all my vinyl that I kept, you know, when I bought vinyl, and I would just play it once, record onto cassette, so it'd be pristine. Yeah, um, I think it's more that that I identify more with uh, something like 1984 or like my Hollywood novel that I wrote that I plan on doing something with finally this year. Yeah, or next year rather, because it's the end of this year. Um, just the n nostalgia, which can we're living in such a ephemeral era. People will forget about something that happened yesterday. Yeah. And by next week, you know, something happened in my band, you know, that occurred with my bass player, and I had to, you know, split ways with my one of my best friends for many years. And I can't say I'm not still his best friend. The circumstances were not, they weren't, they weren't in the right way. So I won't get into more detail than what I already said. Yeah. But then the next day my original guitar player dies and it's a lot to abs absorb but to the outside world that's just a headline that they read yeah and sometimes when i read it it just sounds so callous yeah you know found dead or just you know it's just so bla it's you know which is why i never wanted to continue on in that 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 well i would never have been in that realm of journalism 
but just in the more investigative, personable, like what you do, yeah. talking to people, getting inside, and, and opening it up, letting people hear it. Yeah. And it just feels like it, we're at a point now where it's just flying past. Like you say, it's like next, next, next. And it's it, there's no actual absorption of, of any kind of information. It's just, as you said, it's just headlines. It's like s when, when lives are reduced to sound bites, it's just horrendous. Well, you have to adapt, though. You have to adapt and evolve from it. You can't be a curmudgeon and think... Well, I want it to be my way. And I've got friends that are like that, you know. Um, Corgan and I often get in arguments, not arguments, debates. Not even, yeah. ar I wouldn't even say debates, but just conversations about yeah. why don't people listen to this because it's great. And that could be said from either one of us. So I'm not saying he said that. I'm saying you have to figure out how to make them listen to it. Yeah. Because there's a lot of great things that have never been seen or heard. Yeah. But there's another element of artistry that is the P.T. Barnum element that knows how to reach the, the heart of the people that you want to reach, if you want to. If you want to be someone who I would consider more, I guess, self-consumed or just it's doing something. You can be someone who wants to do something just for yourself and then someone discovers it a lot of people who are like that artists that don't really want to be famous or known and i you know i'm not saying i don't didn't want to be famous in the beginning i just wanted to be in a position where one probably the childish version of me wanted to have a fuck you to all the people who didn't believe in anything that i wanted to do yeah. in general from my parents to, you know, everyone in high school. Just like anybody else in the world. Yeah. Not any different than anyone else. Then there's the other part of me that wanted to do something that changed or made a dent in the way people do things. I wasn't trying to say that rock and roll can change or save the world, but we do have to recognize the impact it's had on our lives. So, yeah. It can't change things that are out of our hands, like politics and the environment or uh, the ecosystem. You know, animals are always going to be animals. People are always going to be the. There's the always. There's going to be s staples and things that are always going to be the way they are. We're not trying to change those, but we're adding something to the world yeah. rather than taking it away. And that's what we always fight against. If people want to take things out of the world, religion, politics, they're just trying to take things away, either money or power or whatever it might be. They're sort of all-consuming. Technically, the definition of psychopaths are, are corporations because they have no care or concern for what they devour. Yeah. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. 
Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Which is why I, why great art obviously flourishes in those times because it's it's not only a reaction to those things, but it's a necessity you know, like as you were saying, in a, in a universal sense, those things, those things come through because they need to. Would you agree? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? They, they, they need. They it's like a. It's like a calling. Yeah. I feel like it's a calling. I felt like that's why I would get this tattooed on my hand. I felt it was a calling to be like there needed to be me, the me that I chose to be. You know, I'm not trying to be someone that I'm not. That's what I did when I started Marilyn Manson. Mm-hmm. I didn't like who I was, so I decided to be something better and different for whatever scale of better, good, evil, you know, mm-hmm. under my terms, something better and different. Now I have to realize that I need to be who I am, and I need to be strong at it, and I need to be good at it. And while I got a major ankle injury I consider it a minor setback Hmm. because I feel so determined about this record yeah and it's not in the same way that you know when you put out a record of course you want to promote it and you want to say you love it because because it's new you know you being an artist you don't understand that usually something you do the most recent thing you've done is in your head and it's most recent and you love it the most yeah I don't think of it that way always you know i think that this record is one of the most important records i've done um i don't know still if it's my favorite record musically that i can listen to because there's bits and pieces of everything hollywood will always still be uh one of the most important pieces of music for me to listen to it's so always difficult but it has so many layers of memories to it yeah and uh it's odd the the jfk uh revelations that uh, I guess Trump released I haven't seen that but you know it was such an obsession of mine at the time of making that but yeah this record strangely I think it's obvious that people could see things as political about it it was not intended to be something that was a reaction to politics as much as any other thing that I've ever done Hmm. maybe just maybe just my commentary in America but not current america only yeah it's just too obvious uh, yeah it would know, feel like a cheap shot if you would just yeah the thing that i did the video that i released on election day which then uh, that guy who shall remain nameless redid the same thing but in a piss poor way and and ruined people's careers but i never said it was anything other than what you wanted it to be and i also very much made it before the election yeah which was just common sense (laughs) but uh it was my opinion on voting and i voted once and that was for barack obama the first time just because 
I felt I think just because I actually was awake that early and someone encouraged me to <laughs> that's probably <laughs> you're lucky you live in a monarchy so. yeah <laughs> so you wanted to talk about my ankle I'm sure I saw the video well there was two the two videos and it's I haven't watched them because it, it just seemed so ill-timed because it you, you put out the album and it's Pale Emperor was made such a clear statement about you as an artist <laughs> for a lot of people you know if we're being real I think a lot of people probably were like ah, we're moving on we're on to this now as we said yeah. earlier people were like the next thing the next thing the next thing right right and I don't want to sound like I'm kissing your ass. No. But <laughs> please do. But <laughs> the thing is, the great artists will always keep 39 steps ahead. Yeah. <laughs> and 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 that record really really proved that. And so there was there was a lot riding on it. It was almost like it was almost like a sophomore record this one. Yeah. In in a sense, you know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, it was it was a rebirth because I had to say to myself I'm not the person, the artist that I that I should be right now. So I had to say, you know, this is a comeback or this is a rebirth. To I me, don't, I to don't, me, yeah, just I don't like that term personally. I but know, yeah. But in my head, I had to admit that I had to have the, you know, I had to break down and be humble enough about it. Maybe it was also because, you know, I, at the same time I was, you know, branching into doing Sons of Anarchy, so I was open to dropping you know being humble like being not in control of everything yeah and the tyler bates and i have gotten to a point strangely enough when we finished pale emperor and this had to be over three and a half years ago he said to me well just wait this is just the opening mm. act for the next album not even knowing what we we're going to do but we have this communication that's almost Bluetooth and mental where yeah. we always seem to be traveling on the same path and do, and wanting the same thing. And It's a rare thing to find that person. It and, is. And, it, and it's something that needs... I mean, it's blatantly apparent to the people involved that, that when that happens, that it's more than just like, oh, yeah, we can write together. It's way more than that. It's It's far more than that because... I think that on this record, what stands apart from it is it may seem more, uh, I don't know, it, it's hard to say. The re last record, if we were to use the d definitions that were in reviews and things like that, it was more rock and roll and it was blues or it was more about me being a singer and things, you know, the things that they said about that record. Hmm. And I thought it was more me just getting my confidence back as being a rock a rock star and being me yeah this record was me enjoying being me and having a full-blown attitude with the you know foot on the gas pedal and not stopping at any stoplights and not questioning anything and it wasn't a it wasn't me doubting myself by changing the title it was just me knowing wait i passed something on the way by there yeah the, and i need to go back there and get that and put this to finish the story and we were so happy when we were done and we were very specific uh to the point where tyler he would say well i changed uh, something in the mix of this song and i said well do you like it he said yeah and i said do you love it and he would say 
yeah, I do. I said, well, I'm good. I don't need to hear it. I trust you. That's the kind of trust that we had because I know that he wants the same thing that I want. And that's a hard thing to develop in a musical relationship. Yeah. In fact, it's probably what destroys most musical relationships. It's, um, he, you know, I think that we bring a lot to each other. And it sounds very intimate, because it is. And yeah. it, it's, it's, um, it's, it's, it made this record something that I didn't realize had so many layers to it until I went back. I didn't realize the, the the layers of the lyrics that it had because I didn't realize that some of the phonetics of the way I spoke the words being American and the just like the way I pronounce words, it sounds like something else to other people if you don't have the lyric sheet. Yeah. And it's uh It's it's interesting as well because to make something and then go back and, and find all these other elements within it is only testament to, to it being a great piece of art, right? Because if you, if you sit and, and, and great art is made when you sit and you, you think about those layers and the different aspects of everything, you know, lyrically, references, then when you move on to the visuals of what's going to be involved, to the videos, to the changing of colours within certain scenes, mm. You can sit and do all that, and that you can make great art that way as well. That would be but, so, a total mind fuck for me to of try course, to do it that way. But but when something is intuitive, that's when you know. The unconscious, as, as you said, you when you're in the flow of it, when you're riding that whole, when you're riding it, mm. that's when when you know that it's a, it's a great, a great work. It's strange because I truly don't like to listen to a record that I've done over and over again um, and only because you've heard it when you're making it but I didn't really hear this record that much when I was making it because a lot of the vocals I just knew what I wanted to do and I would go in and do it and Tyler would not he wouldn't accept anything less than exactly what he thought should be it and there was only I think um, one song that I went back and I re-sang it after because it had been sitting for about five months hmm. because of the delay with my father and all that and it wasn't after my father it was before that but just it was something that I heard and I went back and I re-sang it and it was the song of Jesus Crisis because there's a specific way that I sing the I write songs to fight and to fuck too is it's it's a bit of especially where it falls on the record it could be taken a bit uh you know more on the sarcastic side like uh i don't like the drugs type of hmm. statement but i say it almost as a matter of fact resume like what did you expect but it's just and that song has a lot that has a lot of tones in it that remind me of stuff that i loved listening to like Girls Against Boys and uh, yeah. you know some of the I don't know I'm trying to think of like uh, what's, the, what's the band that I'm trying to think of you probably help me on it sort of the early noise rock not Sonic Youth but that revolved around that era of uh, you well, know an am, like an amphetamine reptile band on yeah, that label. yeah, yeah, that that type of stuff, you know, just where it was 
it was just it had a it has a dirtiness to it that and then there's a point in the record where it goes into this spastic moment and then it goes into halftime with the yeah. chant of Jesus Christ's and I, and I said to Tyler because we were doing the song and I said alright I just want to do this because I don't want to have not done this ever in my career yeah I want a moment where it sounds like you accidentally snorted crystal meth instead of cocaine. Can I run the Pro Tools? <laughs> Which he, it's just me and him, and he does so much, but it's just part of his, his instrument. It's just the way he works. Yeah. And so he let me sort of sketch out. It's just, it goes into this spastic chaos of cutting up all these different parts. Um, and then it just breaks down into this pause, and then Jesus Crisis, that part, which I think is one of the heaviest, most intriguing parts on the record. And his daughters sing on it, too. And they both, both the two daughters, and there's a few other girls, they're schoolmates, I believe. Yeah. And they all go to a, a Hebrew school, which the Jesus Crisis then takes on a whole brand new irony. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we thought that that was. Um, appropriate but he would not let his daughters listen to the rest of the song so they didn't hear the profanity they just heard the jesus crisis part and then i then i said to tell her i said i'm really interested to see how you're going to get out of this halftime part yeah and he did just with the but then it just comes back it could come back screaming but it comes back with the same sort of attitude like yeah this is what i do it's just with it's like it's a real it's got a real uh, Richard Butler kind of feel to it, yeah. you know, in a weird way. I liked uh, seeing him once, uh, Psychedelic Furs, back in the day when he sat in a big velvet chair, which I'm probably going to need to do something of that nature probably for a couple shows, where he just was just, oh, my way. It's not monotone, but it's just like, it's very, I, I think probably for you know some you know especially for girls i think it's it's got that whole attitude of the guy the james dean foot mm. on the wall smoking a cigarette fuck you kind of attitude mm. it wasn't necessarily that's what i was going for but probably that's what i was going for how how was it doing these songs and and shows before the accident it was great actually cuz you were doing you were doing a we did three four, or four, yeah. Three, yeah, bef- prior to the album even coming out. Yeah, and there was a there was a bit of a. I think I saw a nervousness in the management and in the record label, and I said, Look, "Yeah, it was a bold well, they, move." Well, they said, "Well, you know, we just don't want bad versions of it being out there." And Tyler Bates said, "There won't be a bad version of it." <laughs> That's his attitude always. Yeah. And uh, I I disliked it because. There is two. There's an element to the record that that I really love that we did intentionally, but we didn't sit down and write a mathematical equation about it. There is an immediacy of the rhythm and of the musical tones and the keys and the melodies that if you hear it for the first time, it's the same as if you sit in a movie theater and you're watching a movie and it opens up and it's great you're on the edge of your seat waiting to see what happens next hmm. that's what I think the record feels like if you listen to it in an album form which is not necessarily yeah. the tradition now but then you take each song separately 
and each song within itself has a bit of a build, like a, sh- a series of short yeah, scenes. Yeah, it's like a mise-en-scene, yeah. or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, there you go. Um, well, it's that, like, that was as above, that so below, isn't it? It should be that as a greater, like the macrocosm of yeah. a record. Well, that's side A, it's side B, above and below. Yeah. That's why I made it, yeah. Yeah. It was like Portrait of American Family was side A was mom, side B was dad. That's yeah. what was above and below. So what ha- what's oh. going to happen with these shows now? Well, because it's not long. It's not long at all. Um, so ten, ten pins. So what happened was uh, I I blacked out a bit when it felt. A lot of people think that I was trying to climb it. I was just trying to hold on to it because it's normally it wasn't secured, hmm. and it started to fall. So when it looks like I'm trying to climb it, I'm trying to hold it back up. Hmm. And luckily, I somehow got out of the way because I realized it was way too heavy to hold up. And I twisted my leg sideways and just broke my fibula in two places. At the time, I I just blacked out at that moment from just the utter pain. And for five, ten seconds, I'm not really sure. And... You know, I've I've broken my foot before and continue to show or something, but this was unbearable. It was yeah. really, it was so unbearable. I stopped feeling it. You know, when it just goes through your body so much that you just can't think. So they they're rushing me out, still in my clothes and makeup, and uh, I go to the emergency room. I'm in the ambulance. Every bump hurt like a motherfucker. But uh, they're asking me all these questions, and my head just spinning. And then I finally get into a, a room, and uh, this guy comes in. This I guess he was a nurse to take my blood and stuff. And he had a strange lisp, so it sort of sounded like Mike Tyson. He's like, now, now normally we would uh, we would take this and we would uh, put like a plate in it, but um, because if we let it wait, it will swell up, and then we can't throw it shut. But we found trace amounts of cocaine in your body, so we can't put you under anesthesia. I don't, but it seemed like they didn't even have a chance to do that. I think they just looked at me and said that. I don't know the timeline because I was a little dizzy. But um, so then I was in New York for a few days, and was waiting for it to be safe to fly because I could get something, some compression thing that yeah. could kill you in and of itself. Came back, waited a week, got a surgery, which they put 10 pins in a plate in my ankle, which will stay there forever. And uh, the wound itself is is pretty much healed. I'm learning to uh, walk on different types of devices. I've I've, I've tried to change the show around to to make it still be exciting and and not be something where I just sit down. I can't do that. It's not my nature. If I have to have, you know, men holding me, you know, like or like a kneeling device from a whatever I have to do, I'm gonna make it work for me. I'm I'm definitely I'm definitely at uh, crutches made out of AR-70 machine guns. I thought that would be the least I could do. Yeah. I don't know if I'm gonna use them uh, as crutches because I, I it's really difficult to sing with crutches. Yeah. So I had a I have a mic stand that has a bit of a kneeler. So how many how many shows? We have, we have well, a, the we whole have European tour, right? Yeah, I'm not really supposed to be back on my feet 
like I can't really stand on it mm. for another three weeks or so, but it's healed a lot faster because I took a lot of holistic uh, medicine t that, uh, that Billy Corgan gave me as a gift. Um, I don't know if alcohol cancels that out. Chances are yes mm. or no, but the, it has healed properly. If I just put it in a cast, it would have taken three months. Yeah. But this healed. Um, but you worried uh, that, that if you go out you'll do more harm to it no i'm gonna make sure that i i'm gonna mad max the fuck out of this thing you know yeah which is just get my leg made of titanium my my this is made of titanium so that's good titanium and what have you been doing while you've been laid up um watching a lot of uh cinema reading a lot of books doing a lot of writing yeah um you've been painting I can't paint because uh, I paint on my knees. Okay. I did get knee pads, so I might be able to paint now. Um, because that's actually the most preferable way to get around with all the stairs. So that's, why, that's why I'm downstairs because I have to. So, but crawling, I can crawl on my knees. Yeah. So I'm like a wild, feral toddler <laughs> crawling up the stairs looking for books and things like that. But I haven't tried to paint. But so I, I so have drawn. I've drawn. No. So you paint kneeling? Like, so the the paper flat? Yeah, because of watercolors. I don't yeah, want it to, yeah, uh, and I also have to sort of tilt it and yeah. blend it. So there is there's a strange ritualistic uh, yeah. uh, quality to what I paint. And I only discovered, well, I don't get it in some sort of crazy trance, more than maybe late night, obsessive potentially drunkenness but not so much drunk because you can't function well when you're drunk hmm. you know you, you just can't you can't focus but sometimes you need to loosen up at the least but I will get in the middle of something and I won't really know because watercolor how it's going to be until the next day yeah and because I've used a lot of ink as of late it dries differently but I have a few pieces upstairs that are really interesting that I that happened right before I left to go on tour. They're not exactly what I intended. Yeah. But they ended up being more interesting. So I've been doing a lot of drawing, like in you know, my big notebooks and stuff like this, but um which I like and that's kind of the size that you use, isn't it? More yeah, like yeah. yeah. So I've been trying to trying to perfect my roots of drawing. I Do found recently some of my early sketches from high school, like Iron Maiden, Power Slave, and yeah. Jim Morrison pencil sketches and stuff like that, but which were pretty pretty good with stippling and shading and stuff. Do you find that when you're when you're making visual art, you're in a different mindset from when you're making music? Or I don't. Well, yeah, it's always quiet. I don't listen to anything. When Nothing. I, no. When, no, it's silent. Huh. In my art room, I paint entirely black so that there's no reflections of any yeah. light. Um, yeah, it's definitely different. And with the videos that I released, the three, and you just saw the new one, Kill For Me, um, I would say that they're, I mean, they're collaborative in that I approach them more like still being myself as a performer, hmm. a singer. They weren't like stepping out of myself to being my only version of Halloween technically is acting in movies because I get to be someone other than me. Yeah. 
and that doesn't mean just washing off lipstick or something because there's yeah. not really that big of a difference except that on stage I'm, I have a microphone in my hand yeah. and they're strangers but Bill Yukich, the guy who directed them, we go way back because he was on tour with me during In the Thick of It, 1996, and uh, he and I both, I guess, I won't point fingers at him or me, but let's just say that Bill kind of, inst- Bill wanted to fight a co-ed, uh, uh, I think, uh, high school soccer team that was staying in our hotel. Okay. The hotel was uh, connected to the venue. <laughs> It ended up with uh, fire, and uh, so when he said, approached me with the treatment, uh, the script for We Know Where You Fucking Live, and the first sentence said, none, mortar launcher. I knew A, his pyrotechnic skills were tight, (laughs) okay? (laughs) And I know B, if he can get the record company to pay for this, I'll be amazed. I thought it was actually a prank. But um, he he took a different level. He took a different approach on the videos than I would have. And it was good to, to collaborate with someone who had an outside point of view because I would have done something entirely different for both videos. Yeah. But then this, this is the, the upside of the death of music television. Yeah. Because now it doesn't matter. They, they, whereas videos that would have got made back when that was the, that was the source and, and the outlet yeah. where, where they're going to dictate uh, their own morals yeah. upon what, what can be seen and can't be seen, then then you you have to conform to that and you know i kind of got past that a long time ago in a way but i i think this was different for me because i started to develop an attitude about where i didn't want uh to give a specific storyline or image about a song it came from me to someone watching it so i was very very comfortable with having someone tell me like their idea and giving them full reign and me just being tell me what to do and I'll do it it's like be yourself do your performance you know it wasn't someone telling me how to perform it was just like someone coming up with a story other than me which I've traditionally always done the story form and it was it was the new form of it wasn't the censorship part it was a new idea of okay so we're in a in a world where people identify with things on a short term so it's it wasn't it wasn't watering things down it was just keeping things interesting and they they just they poke at your mind because we were talking about the kill for me scene i'm watching it and i'm not even sure what's happening in it Hmm. and i was in it (laughs) so i'm not sure which ass is mine and which ass is giant depths and which ass is someone else's so and it's and it sounds funny to to get, you know, but being having been friends with Johnny for so many years, we, we always said, why haven't we done anything together? And he he said he was too shy to ask me. I said, really? Come on, give me a break. And he yeah. was. I mean, that's he's he's that sweet like that. But I just thought I had fun doing it. All three videos that we did for this record so far, I've had fun doing. I'm having fun doing this interview. I don't like to do shit that's not fun. Life's yeah. too short. Yeah. That's that simple. It, there doesn't need to be like any more tag on to that statement. Yeah. And I enjoy doing this record because, and it can be angry. You can enjoy being angry. It's not angry all the time. I think that it's, it's just expressive. I think this record is most like me 
as a person. I don't know. What do you think? Because you know yeah. me. Yeah, it, I agree. It has the, uh, the, the pattern of speech that I use. I mean, of course, when you're writing something. I don't really do tend to rhyme that but much. Then do you, yeah, but then do you think that... Yeah, I agree with that. But do you think that that's representative of you now? Do you not think that when you did, an, did Antichrist, that that was representative of you then? Well, in the sense that we're talking about alternate uh, yeah. things in the cycle and the concept of... It makes me... I, you know what I think is similar to when I did Antichrist? The fire in me, the need to do it. Yeah. There's a need. It's not like an anger. It's a need. It's like a craving, like you have to do it. Yeah, it's like a compulsion. You feel like you're yeah. looking at... You're looking at this, like on my wall, like it's a screensaver. It says, oh, you, you're like, mine, I see that and I just want to burn it. Just because, not because I hate it, just is like my nature. Yeah. It's, it's almost a childish urge. Maybe it's, you know, why it's to see what happens sometimes. Yeah. Or sometimes it's just to, I, I'm, I'm often amazed by what I get away with. <laughs> Musically, visually, just in general. Yeah. And that's not always my my purpose, but it's great to be able to to get diff I, like I've, I think what I've learned most over like since I made Pell Emperor was I'm not afraid to collaborate. Before, before when we talked about jamming, and I said like that's a word that's alien to me because I don't know how to jam because yeah. I was never in a band where I would you know wasn't that type of a band and. Uh, not, it's more collaborating. Like, I like to have someone else's opinion that I didn't tell them what I want because then it's polluted so they can add something to it. And that makes me happy. It's just, I, I can always go back to comparing it to painting. Obviously, we both paint differently, but painting has a separate purity from music that is just the same as it's separate from, you know, writing a song is different than performing a song. Yeah. They're all different, but in in the same sense as Dolly, I guess, not comparing myself to Dolly, but comparing the concept of being art yeah. in and of yourself, that everything you do, you know, it doesn't mean that everything I do is art. It just means everything I do is me. It is different levels of me. I don't... You know, I'm not always, just like anyone, you know, you're not always wearing shoes, you know, <laughs> whatever example you want to use. Yeah. It's like, but it's still the same person. And this person is what I've decided to be a long time ago. So now I want to enjoy it. And despite having a fucking, a year, that was a little bit challenging. You know, with a, with a lot, it's yeah. a little challenging to say the least. Mm. Um, I don't feel I I seem pretty calm, calmer than you are, dude. <laughs> you know, yeah, pretty pretty calm and pretty just uh, optimistic because I enjoy doing it. And I think it's a time when you know you're seeing all these people fall. You know, so many people. You know, it. I don't I don't know if it's because of the time that we're in where it's more publicized or it's more apparent because of you know social media or, or any sort of internet coverage or if it's 
just that we've grown to an age, you and I, that people, you know, that you grew up listening to eventually are not going to live forever, just yeah. like your parents aren't, things like that. Hmm. But um, I have, I have a, a, a great determination to not expire any time in the near future because I have too much work to do. Too much more to enjoy. <laughs> too many more interviews to do with you. Thank you for listening to Someone Who Isn't Me, episode 22. That was Marilyn Manson. You can find him on socials, obviously, which is just at Marilyn Manson. I am at Daniel P. Carter on Twitter and Instagram. The album Heaven Upside Down is out now. He's going to be back in the UK, if you're listening there, by the way. Uh, He's going to be back in the UK for Download Festival. I'm going to try and get out to one of the European shows before that, though. I'm also excited that the prospect that the Hollywood novel was going to finally see the light of day in 2018 it's been a long time coming obviously the next episode of someone who isn't me is going to be with either cedric bixler zavala of at the drive-in the mars volta etc or andrew wk um both of which i think are, are brilliant conversations i enjoyed them equally i apologize if you find that the podcast is a little too infrequent for your liking i realize that a lot of people that have podcasts have a lot more of a um, driven work ethic with them but for me these are just simply an excuse to have an inspiring conversation with an artist that I really respect I hope you get that from the episodes and if it means that it's a case of quality not quantity then you know so be it I just do this for the love of it if I'm honest thanks for listening if you could spend a minute of your time leaving a review and a five-star rating on something like itunes or whatever podcatcher you use to enjoy this that would be much appreciated thanks again i'm out peace ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs>